Now we return you to the test card and some music. Welcome to the Pilot Take 109, a weekly podcast reviewing the pilot episodes of television shows, past and present. He is Jed Shepherd, And that guy is R-O-B-J-E-L-L-Y. The third. T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D. It's Rob Jenny the third. He's the work on that Cheers, everybody. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. How are you, Jed? Good. I'm, I'm loving your your uh, cheers motion with a, with a with a coke. Yeah, genuinely cheersing nobody in this room. Uh, not even you, actually. I can't. You can't really cheers a plastic bottle. We can it just give it a go. Work. It'll just fizz up. Yeah, it's just like champagne does. So it kind of does work. How yeah. are you, Rob? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Very busy. You've been Very doing busy. all kinds of like every weekend that you do some some manic. I look on like Instagram or Twitter and you're off doing something in the field every yep. week. Yep, pretty much. The last uh, probably seven months I've probably gone to a field at least once a weekend, if not more. But yeah. this last weekend I was uh, uh, hosting the nuclear party, um, the nuclear races I do. They have like a summer party, kind of bring your friends, bring your family, bring a barbecue and some beer. We'll have a go and on that's the obstacle course for a bit of fun. Like a big obstacle course, right? Yeah, big obstacle course yeah. and they come for... for you know, they pick a lot of the obstacles up and kind of put them all around a certain lake yeah, yeah, yeah. where there's some slides into the lake and zip wires and things like and that. And you're comparing kind of the come whole and thing. just have a go type day. Yeah. Um, which is great fun and really relaxed and great. The weather turned from being like 38 degrees on Thursday to Saturday being like 25 and raining, <laughs> which was just... It was you know, needed, It, it is what it is. But, you know, we're Brits, so we made the most of it. Yeah. Um, that was cool. And then, yeah, then the following day, I'm playing my American football, as I do. Nice. Um, and this coming weekend, so by the time we, this comes out, it'll be long gone. But um, this coming weekend, I'm off to Oxford to host part of Country File Live. Is it in a field? It must be in a field. It's in a field, mate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was spending, I'm from Thursday to Sunday, in a field. You're just Mr. Field. I just like being outdoors, mate. Yeah. I genuinely prefer being outdoors than being inside so you were the complete Apart opposite from my love i know it makes no sense my love of being in a studio and being able to do podcasts and, and do radio yeah you know i can't ever deny but mm. if only if only i could do all of it outside it would just be even, the best thing ever even when i'm on holiday my like if i have the option of staying in and watching tv going out and seeing the, the, the beautiful world it would take me a lot to like go, oh, okay, I'll go out and see this thing that's been there for 20,000 years. <laughs> or or I could binge watch this new TV show I have no idea new, about. Like, so when I was in America last time, I did, I did loads, but it was one day, I was tired, I felt a little bit sick, and I had to go meet some friends um, to do something. But then I was just like, Alf is on. <laughs> you know Alf, the alien Alf. I have um, heard of it, I know of it. It's, it's a, oh, we need to do Alf. Okay. We need to, it's put about it, a puppet that eats cats. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm very much an indoor person yeah. rather than an outdoor person. No, Being I mean, in a there's a time and a place for yeah, it. Yeah, and on a nice hot day, sun's blazing down, everyone happy. I'd rather be in the cinema. One air conditioning. Two, I'm watching no, a film. See, my favorite I'm, thing to I do. I can't stand air conditioning. It does my head in and really? my throat. Funnily enough, well, you're in the right country for it because nowhere has air conditioning. Mate, everywhere has air conditioning what? now. Everywhere has air conditioning. Me. No. Yeah, they do. No, well, please tell I mean, them about here. this place. Yeah, we haven't yeah. got it in Postpop HQ. We've got, we've got, we've got, well, the, the patio door is open. Yeah, if that's air conditioning, if you want. <laughs> um, but no, it' really busy. But um, 
doing all the things I love doing. So, you know, not working a day in my life, really, yeah, which is great. Nice. I, I know I know it's really smug to say things like that, but <laughs> genuinely don't actually do any work at all. I just yeah, have yeah, lots yeah. of fun and get paid for it, which is yeah. a very, very fortunate place to be. Mm-hmm. How about you? You good? Trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, working on multiple projects Um, as you know I did something pretty cool yesterday can't really say much about it but no I was uh, working watch this space and you will hopefully better bring you something on that soon a very famous British person who works in entertainment on our TVs and in our ears um, working on something with her um, it was very, very cool. Very cool. And um, she is a lovely person. So This is one of the few projects that Jed works on that I'm actually allowed to know about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I genuinely know how good this is going to be. And when it comes yeah. out, I'm you know, excited for other people to hear it as well. So it's going to be good. Watch the space. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just the same thing. Film stuff's uh, progressing along nicely. Um, again, I can't really say much about can that. You, but... Can you, in 60 seconds, review the film you just said you to me you watched? Oh, um, what, The New Lion King? Yeah. So, so, okay, a lot of people know this about me because when we were on Phoenix FM, Mm -hmm. I went on someone's show to review films, right? And for some reason, I uh, mentioned I've never seen Lion King, the the original Disney thing. People went nuts. People went nuts. They went, okay, we'll have you back on next week after you've watched Lion King. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. And like, this is the first time I've admitted this, by the way. I never watched it, but I went in the next next day, (laughs) having read the back of the VHS, because I I have on VHS, I never watched it. And managed to blag the entire story just by reading the back. And they were like, oh, see, I bet you're happy you watched them. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phoenix FM, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but <laughs> so I went into this, what, to this film, uh, this live action remake, not knowing much about it at all. And I came out very, very, very uh, happy with my decision not to watch the original because I did not like it. I thought... I mean, it was okay. The problem is... It was okay, this, it was the fine. The problem is with you having this opinion is I yeah. hold your opinion on things like this in high regard. I guarantee you of other people like have said the complete opposite to what you've just said. See, but I'm not blinded by the original. I'm not... I'm, I'm the one of the few people in the world that's going in with fresh eyes. And I'm looking at this. I want to like it. I went in th- with fresh eyes thinking, oh, this is going to blow me away. It's going to be great. Two hours of escapism. It, it, it didn't it really feel... Wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. And I, I feel like... The CGI was great, great, and there was there were some criticisms about the CGI, but I thought the CGI was very, very good. It's just the animals just felt like they had more feeling when they were a cartoon rather than live action, and um, it just felt really forced, mm. really forced. But I mean, take your kids; your kids love it. But um, as a grown adult with um, life experience, it's, it's not hard gonna... when you remake stuff. It's really hard. I was only talking about this this morning. We'll get onto the podcast and say yeah. um, about the VWB tour. So the day we're recording this is the, the the anniversary of the very final VW Beetle being rolled off the really? factory line in 2003. Beautiful car. The um, the old star one yeah. before they remade it. Yeah. And I was having this discussion on this morning and, and you just sometimes can't improve on it. Yeah, you can redo it. Of course yeah. you can and bring it up to speed maybe with modern technology and for a new audience perhaps. But yeah. I don't think you'll ever beat the original. If oh. an original is that good that you want to remake it mm. for, a, for, for a future audience. Yeah then why not just stick with what you've got? Don't change the recipe. Just yeah. keep making it. That ties with Disney as well, because they made a film all about the VW Beetle called The Love Bug, Herbie, and Herbie Goes Bananas. and One of the best films ever made. Yeah, I love it. I one of the best it. films ever made. You can check it out on IMDb. It's up there among the greats. <laughs> um, but will the two shows we review this week be well, But before there? that, I wanted to ask you about Who Dat? 
Oh, okay. Yes, very quickly. Because you've got then. that on your um, show. That, so at, I have at a the new moment. game on my show by the time you're hearing this. This radio um, show for BBC. Which is, <laughs> which is essentially a radio version of Guess Who. Um, and for legal reasons, obviously, I can't just go ripping it off completely and nicking the name. So um, I've decided I call my version Who Dare? Um, for no reason other than it was the first thing that popped into my head Um, and it sounds fun to shout out loud Uh, yeah and you can imagine Guess Who is the game Guess Who if you've never played it before google it you'll soon see exactly what what it's like a board of faces and you uh, pick one out and you play against the person opposite you a bit like battleships or anything else like like two player games and you ask questions you go do they wear glasses do they have ginger hair are they a lady you know are they squinting that sort of stuff and you sort of slowly but surely eliminate the people on the board and then you have to try and guess who your opponent has in the fewest amount of moves and obviously before they guess who you have Mm -hmm. Uh, only thing with this version of it my version is that I'm the only one with the faces in front of me and uh, they have no idea who any of the people are (laughs) apart from they're famous and they're from Essex so um, it should be absolute carnage and shenanigans like every other game I've ever done on the radio as well so and it's such a good game I remember and I think the that one of the characters in Guess Who was my first ever crush. Really? Can you guess who it was? Rita. Rita. I've got better taste than that. Maria. <laughs> I have you found? Have you found it? Maria. Maria, the French Maria with the wonky beret. A, she, yeah, she had a beret on, so she was cool. Anita. Come yeah, on. I mean, Alfred. I mean, he was a menacing-looking. Oh, he, he was cool though. Swine, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> he said something else then. Charles looks like uh, Charles Manson or something. <laughs> Alex was never in it. That was a, that's a made-up. one. That looks like Maria with a moustache. <laughs> but like, um, they've had various different versions of Maria, all looking very, it very French. Me, it worries me quite a lot that when you just type in the first name of someone and the word "guess who" after that in the yeah. internet, you get all these really dodgy scanned versions of the guess who. <laughs> and you get people cosplaying as Maria as well, which which I enjoy a lot. <laughs> oh, that's given me an even more stupid idea. Have you seen have you seen that? Brilliant. That's fantastic. As a woman who is uh, for fancy dresses. I could take dresses. photos dressed up as all the characters that Amazing. I've Amazing. Right, leave that with me. Okay, um, cool. I'll get to that after we've recorded this week. <laughs> who dat? If you want to play uh, on my radio show between four and six in the morning or you can catch up on the BBC Sounds thing. Yeah. Um, right, two more shows to review this week. Yeah. Uh, as always, we, we gather around with two shows to look at. We pick one each and we score them out of 10 each so each show has potential of 20 points cool no, nothing's got 20 points yet no we nothing. do have one 11 each as well which we've never used yeah and a one time only 11 yeah. it's not even like one a year or anything like one time only 11 so yeah. technically a show could score 22 <sighs> technically and that would pretty much I mean once we find, if we ever find that it's over mm-hmm. the pilot podcast will be done it's true if we ever we'll never need to wow. get, we'll never need to do any more it will be over. Wow. Because okay. we are on a quest to find the best pilot episode ever made. I've never given anything 10 yet, have you? No. Okay. I very nearly did once. I think I said it out loud as well, and I went, no, 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 you actually, maybe it. not. Yeah. I got a bit excited. Because you had no wiggle. I, got, I think I needed a wee, and I got excited. Um, <laughs> you get excited about going for a wee? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. But listen, we've got two more shows, and yeah. these two are both very, very different from things we've done for quite a while. Last time I think we did anything documentary-esque was way back when we did Blue Planet and Planet Earth, yeah. of which one of them is right up in the top four. Both amazing shows as Joint well. Joint top. Yeah. So you can check out the league table on the Post-Pop website, or uh, if you go to the description of the last um, milestone episode, which we mm-hmm. take 100, yeah. uh, you should find it attached there. Right, so first one up yeah. is... Um, I don't even remember who picked what. I picked this... I think you picked that one. I did, yeah. Because <laughs> you said to me, I'm going to like it, because it's got lots of my favourite sport yeah. in there. 
Okay, so oh, you're my up first. first this week. Wow, okay. So this week, uh, I am first again. It doesn't really matter because I always win. Um, <laughs> and this week, uh, we'll be discussing OJ Made in America. through it is that America is broken um, and society is broken and there is instilled racism throughout society from day dot and it's still happening now and all of this builds into in 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 the kind of bubbling pot of America and um, it's essentially putting the blame not only on OJ as a person but on the society that we're brought up in to um, villainize the others to villainize people who um, are out there and also the fact that we want to see people who are up there on a pedestal fall we yeah. want to see them fall and the audience's rabid um, hunger to see someone famous fall and I, I think, think it's think really interesting yeah I mean, the thing is what caught me is most about most surprise I got from this was obviously where it's called OJ Made in America mm-hmm. um, you know very well that it was all going to be about OJ Simpson the court case and his career, I guess, and his life into the limelight as, a, as an American footballer. Mm-hmm. But I found the most surprising was the amount of genuine documentary-style history of society and yeah. the country as a whole. I, I wasn't expecting it. that. I loved it. But I actually really appreciated it yeah. because one of the things I wrote down, I think it was something I wrote towards the end, but um, the era and the societal issues greatly amplified, amplified his status, yeah. but also... His downfall. Yeah. 
you know, when he finally did, when the court case came about, when the trial happened, and I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go surmising things because I, I've never really read into exactly what, how it came about, when it happened, because I've only watched the first one of this. Right, so okay. it's the five-part series that leads all the way up to yeah. the bit. And, and just a quick throwback, just before you get the title music, you do get an opening scene of about two minutes where OJ, sort of present day-ish, um, is appealing, I guess, his sentence mm-hmm. um, to the courts of appeal uh, about his rehabilitation and the things he's been doing whilst in prison. Um, and he looks like, a, well, he looks like a completely changed man. You know, the a sort of husk of a man mm-hmm. that you go on to see when he was in his younger days as a sort of high school athlete, and therefore going on to the the NFL as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does a real good job of setting the scene, not only for the state of America at that time, but also OJ as a person. We see him um, as a fledgling young athlete in college at the University of Southern California, which is. I assume very famous for its uh, college football team yep. and for creating amazing players that go on to do big things. Um, so it kind of we we want to learn how it came to this, how the events of the past led to the brutal murder of Nicole Brown um, and Ronald Goldman um, in, in in the nineties. So we start right at the start of how OJ came to prominence. Um, he was basically an unbelievable athlete. Now, I'd heard before... Yeah, next-level athlete. Yeah. I, I obviously, like a once-in-a-generation style. Exactly. I knew he was good based on everyone saying, but it's OJ, it's OJ. Like, and he, I knew he was a hero. I didn't actually ever see the feats he did on the, on the football field, mm. on the American football field. Watching this, tell you what, I was a fan. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be. I was like, oh, my God, this guy... Is, it's like if, he, if he, he's putting a cheat code... On a, on a football game, <laughs> and he's just See? head and shoulders better than everybody else, even at that young age. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, is, I mean, it's going to be incredibly difficult to talk about this without it sounding like in, it, it could quite easily be, be compared to many, many other famous people of the past yeah. in the last 50 to 60 years mm-hmm. who have, you know, been, for want of a better phrase, stars to, to you know, and, and put on pedestals heroes to their fans. Yeah. And then they have a downfall because of something they do. Um, you could use this sort of, I guess, a structure of a story to tell about so many different people, mm-hmm. US, UK and elsewhere around the world. Yeah. Um, it just, you just can't help but, or I certainly can't help but watch something like this and think all of that greatness and all those people around them. And you see it still to this very day in 2019 stars climbing and climbing and climbing and Mm. then crashing and the next thing you hear about them two years later is they've just come out of rehab Mm. having had a reset and found themselves for want of a better description and they come out of it better in the end and you know when you again not to try and point blame because it's not I mean this podcast is about us reviewing the actual show we're watching but when you're talking about something like this I think I don't think you can help compare Mm. it and think hang on how is this happening? I mean, there's 1967. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, he was in college. So this is before his NFL days. There wouldn't have been anyone else prior to this time in the sporting world, at least in my knowledge, who would have got quite the limelight that he did. Yes, there were bigger sporting stars, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But none that got the sponsorships, the endorsements, yeah. the the praise, the, the quite literal on the shoulders of the people. Yeah, and because this is this first episode is feature length, it does, 
it gives us a slow kind of drip feed of his career and we follow it's like we're there with him we mm. see his rise with him and we want him to do well we see he's got this big game coming up and we see him become the star he is we see him signing his first contract with Hertz to do the Hertz advert yeah. we, we see all that um, and you're and like you forget about what he's done because like like I'm 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 gonna go on record and saying he definitely did it. Um so like we see him rise to what he's become because in a future episode we're gonna like see his downfall and yeah. you can only get that downfall if we see his rise as well and I think this documentary and by the way this documentary was made by the people that do the 30 for 30 document, sports documentaries yeah, yeah. which are incredible incredible and obviously this documentary was up for an Academy Award as well um, and it was the longest film ever because if you count all five episodes it's like eight nine hours long um, and yeah it's Essentially, one of the best uh, documentaries you will ever see about sports or crime, or a sports crime, um, I think. I think it's so masterfully done. Mm. Um, I really, really liked it. Um, we obviously don't get to see, because this is the first episode, we don't get to see anything to do with the murder just yet. No. Or, and we don't get to see the trial stuff, um, which I is think, I think what you get in this episode, and I think you can fully expect it when you got the five part where every... Every, um, I think it was seven and a half hours in total, the, the entire five parts are. So it's yeah. an hour and a half for each one. I don't know if you can tell, you can't tell the whole story in the first episode, but I think that little flash in the front, right at the very, very start, where you get that kind of like, here he is current day, and then it's kind of, oh, okay, we're going to go back. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... <sighs> It's really hard. It's really difficult to talk about this because I think it's going to divide so many opinions. There are going to be people who don't believe he did it, do believe he did it, he did and it. he did it. Yeah, and but I don't think that's really the point. I think the point of of writing a five part documentary about a sh- about a person and about a, a court case and about a life mm-hmm. that we all had broadcast to us r- relentlessly yeah. through. You know the tri- the original trial, all the appeals, everything after that. It was in the press, you know, left, right, and centre. It's n- it's not something we haven't all heard about mm-hmm. before. So why is there a need to make a five part documentary? Because I think sometimes you need to go all the way back, and I think that's what this first episode, part one of this five parter, does so so very very well. Exactly. I had no idea of how quick. His oh rise was, yeah, and, and it, must be, it must be absolutely not terrifying, but daunting. Yeah, as a youngster, whoever you are, male or female, whatever sport you play, mm-hmm. to go from being good and clearly knowing you're good to being on top of—I mean, number one draft pick in the NFL. Yeah, I, 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 there isn't an equivalent I can think of. I mean, in you'd probably sport. be two or three, but there's like a thousand players that come out of college yeah. who get considered for the NFL, mm-hmm. right? There are thousands more, thousands more. A thousand get considered, 256 go into the official draft on, which is now televised and all sorts, and there's a big song and dance made about yeah. it. I've watched um, that before. And Very often confusing. they talk about the top three to five players that will probably make the top cut. There was no question, I don't think, in this year yeah. that he was going to be the number one choice. Mm-hmm. And then to get picked yeah. and to up sticks from LA and move all the way to Buffalo... You know, he would, it was like a blank check to get him. I mean, it, it's incredible. I, I, 
I so want to watch the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. It's an hour and a half each. So you do have to really set aside some time. You will really enjoy it. There is a lot of American football minutia in it. Yeah. There's a lot of politics but I think you could, about I, that and them okay, trying so to as, help cover As someone who doesn't it. follow the sport like yeah. I do, yeah. how easily accessible do you think it is as a documentary without knowing anything about the sport? Very, very, very. It doesn't... I, I feel like you don't need to know anything about O.J. Simpson or the sport or America to even get... to, to start watching this. I think this is perfect in setting the scene. It starts in the very start, so you're learning as you go along. And the fact it's so long, it means it can really take its time in, um, in like teaching you about society and, and things that are going on. I think the very interesting thing about this as well is that uh, the fact that O.J. was one of the first kind of major black sports stars that was universally loved, not just by the black community, but by the white community as well. And people, some people considered that um, that was great for like the, the, the terrible race, race relations at the time because of like riots, etc., going on. Um, but some other people were thinking that in order for him to progress, he had to leave, and I'm doing this in quotation marks, leave his like black heritage behind and become more white. So th- throughout the later episodes, we see his struggle, OJ's struggle and society's struggle in defining his blackness against um, what the black, what black culture wanted him to be and what his white, his newfound white friends wanted so him to be. So do you think then, if, if someone like OJ existed today in this... In this time, how do you think it would have been handled? Do you, or do you think it would have been handled any better? Or do you think that it would make no difference? Being 1960s, mm-hmm. you know, Los Angeles, yeah. um, lots of issues coming out of America. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've all still got issues of, you know, just people not getting on with people. Full stop, end of sentence, nothing yeah. else required. If someone rose to fame that quickly in today's society, mm-hmm. would it be any different? Really? Yes, I think it would. Because Why? back in the 60s, he was black. Yeah. And he was prominently discussed on TV, radio, he, adverts. He was an absolute superstar. It's the norm now. It's the norm now for people of every culture to be to rise to fame quickly and to and for people to celebrate them for people to hate them but but back then you you didn't normally get um white households knowing who who a black star was and celebrating them having their posters on the wall he was on the he was on the walls of, of, of people's bedrooms white families' bedrooms mm. that hadn't quite happened before he was he was the spokesperson for Hertz cars, for rental cars. And maybe some people thought, oh, he shouldn't be our spokesman because maybe white families wouldn't want him um, to kind of follow in OJ's footsteps. Um, and there's a, an episode that addresses, I think the next episode addresses his kind of um, adverts and that. Um, I think one of the things I got out of it as well, and, and it's a very modern way of thinking, um, I hope that you know we are much closer to this way of thinking now than we were back then. But clearly, it's, this is where I genuinely think OJ was ahead of his time in the way he, his attitude. You know, he was, and there's lots of people I can con- I could compare him to today. OJ looked out for OJ. Yeah. OJ wasn't black. He was OJ. 
Yeah. And it's and he and he says and he that often quite a few says times that, yeah. in, in the first part of this documentary. Yeah. Um and I must admit that really that took me back. When I first when he first says it, I was a bit like Okay. And it was this was like a, an interview. Like he was giving a, a, a an interview with a member of the press, I guess. And um yeah, you know, I think I think they questioned it. And again, that's that just goes to show the the responsibility, the role of the media. Mm. You know, leading a question and we'll talk about leading questions when we talk about the other show we reading yes. this week um i i just i, I like the attitude like okay yeah. that's quite a self-centered attitude putting just you know being all about yourself but he had to and say that because if he said anything different then he might lose a certain demographic so he had to be impartial yeah, but do you reckon he was so so are you saying then that that was something he was taught to say no or do you think he genuinely thought I'm. I look out for me. Yeah. And I don't care whatever else is going on in society. I'm. I'm seeing it all happening. I know what's happening. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm me. And if it does me good, I'll do it. Well, I think he was a very intelligent guy, and you, you can tell he's very careful about what he says in the olden days and, and now. Very very clever, and he was also a good-looking guy, one of the greatest sportsmen of the time. Clever. He had absolutely everything, absolutely everything. So he, he wouldn't want to lose that. So he would have to play play the game, essentially. Mm. And if that is saying, I'm not getting into like the race yeah, stuff, yeah. then he has to do that. And it effectively helped his career. Um, I think I like the way this episode ends um, yeah. as well, in the fact you get the very quickest of introductions to Nicole yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of the episode. Mm. Um, no more than about three minutes, yeah. really. So you get a lot of just him... And where he came from, so you've got context. context. It's the backstory. Yeah, you know, well, you you know a lot about that because mm-hmm. when you write a, a show, a TV, the you know, idea or a film, you might not necessarily write it into the script, but you've in your head you've written all the backstory. You've given yeah. all the details. How did they get from birth to the moment where they enter this show, this film? Yeah, and I think it's very key that we know where OJ's come from before he meets Nicole, and then before we go on to the next chapter of his life. Yeah. Um, you know, not just about when he was a big famous sports star in the NFL, but when he was mm-hmm. a college player, when he was a high school guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what he grew up in, mm-hmm. and the time, and the place, and everything that goes with it. it yeah. It's a very, very clever documentary. Very, very um, emotive, um, and plays a lot on your, I think, your inner moral compass. Mm-hmm. And I think watching it today, when was, when was this released? It was May 2017. So it's well, only a couple of years old. Yeah. Um, but you're going back a long time. You're going back 52, 53, 54 years mm-hmm. in time and watching footage from back then. And it's a, like we've said a lot about other pilot shows we've watched where sometimes the context of stuff and the way they refer to things nowadays is a little bit, oh, that's a bit, yeah. you know, a bit jarring because mm-hmm. we've, we've got a new way of thinking now. Yeah. Or we've changed our way of thinking for the better. Um, some of it's quite difficult to watch. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really... I'm glad that it has made me uncomfortable at times. Yeah. As a documentary, mm-hmm. I don't want to be mollycoddled. I don't want to be sort of like, oh, it's so, we won't, won't show that bit because it's, yeah. it's a bit near the mark. So are you going no. to watch the rest of this? Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Good. Good. Well, I'm off to Country Fall okay. um, for a few days <laughs> yeah. and I've, I'm, I'm in a hotel up by, up by the place that we're staying. Yeah. So... And I'm on my own. This so is perfect for OJ, yeah. every night, we'll watch an episode every night. It's, it's great. And I'll sneak in a few other episodes of like other shows we'll yeah. get a review in the future too. But, awesome. um, so this premiered uh, actually um, 
in 2016 um, at the Sundance Film Festival, uh, oh. which I was at with, with my film as well. So I remember... Uh, I was there with Dawn of the Deaf and I remember there's posters for this everywhere and the, and the buzz just in general um, at Sundance was there's this documentary called um, OJ Made in America and everyone was going wild for it then so I knew it was going to be good yeah. when, it, when, it, when I eventually you like documentaries it. are you going to get a big recommendation from me and I, I think probably from you as well so yeah. we'll score it at the end mm-hmm. now it's time to go on to the other show this week um, and when you threw that gauntlet down I thought of only one show to be absolutely yeah. frank with you when it, Very was, good uh, choice. when it was a court case it was a an ongoing saga and a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one I've been recommended by many, many people and finally getting around to watch it. Yeah. I'm very pleased to say we are now doing the pilot episode of Making a Murderer. I love it. If you can call it a theme, it's, it's, it feels a bit wrong to call it a theme tune to a documentary. I Title think, sequence. Yeah, I think would be a fairer statement Title to make. Theme. Um, the thing I love about this one is it's very, very clever because, like a court case, it builds and builds and builds, and there's multi layers. By the end, there's loads of layers of instruments. That's quite a sort of yeah. sparse. Yeah. Clever. Very, these composers, they don't get enough credit. Like, how so clever. Was it only last week, week before, yeah. I was saying about how composers need to step up? Yeah. Clearly, they're all working in documentaries nowadays. They are. This guy who composed this is called Gustavo Santaiolala. Apologies, I've got this wrong. Gustavo Santaiolala, um, who made this. And it's a beautiful piece of music. It's haunting. Um, it's, it's a little... It sounds quite dangerous. Yeah. Um, reminds me a little bit like Fortitude. I know ah. there's drama and this is documentary, so I yeah. don't want to sort of blur the lines there. I'm very aware of what I'm sort of saying, but mm-hmm. musically speaking, it's, it's definitely suggesting that there is going to be. Um, I don't even know, trauma. Um, yeah. There's definitely going to be something traumatic. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, it's probably the word I'm looking for. It feels like it's the build to something tragic as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, it's ominous, it's a very ominous uh, feel about it. But as you say, it builds and builds and builds yeah. to the sort of end, which has got that long drone. Mm-hmm. The instrumentation is fantastic. Um, and this all comes in after a short opening sequence as well, which includes home footage shot on a proper handheld camera uh, back in 1994, uh, where Stephen Avery comes home from from prison yep um, so again similarly to the OJ one it's the sort of current day it starts in sort of current day um, and then title sequence let's go back yeah it's very much like this is where we're at today okay let's see how we got there exactly in less of a sort of flippant way but so straight away we know he's, he's, been, in, he's been in prison he's come out yeah. So it feels like, okay, so that's the case done. So what is this documentary about? Because we yeah. know he's already been released. How did we get to this point? Yeah. Um, and especially like when you're watching it, I mean, this one was released in 2015, uh, Making a Murderer on, on Netflix. Yeah, 2000, uh, December 2015. December 2015. Because I remember it was uh, December 31st, 
my friend, my friends, Karen and G got married on December the 31st. Right. Um, real quick organ- uh, wedding. Um, I got home that night after uh, a few drinks and I was still wide awake because I was buzzing for my friends getting married. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch Netflix. Oh, this, this thing's just come on, Making a Murderer, episode one. Fast forward seven, eight hours later and I completed the series and not gone to sleep and I was like, wow. Wow! Yeah, um, it, it really is that shows. good. It really is that good. I, I, I'll say that at the top now as well. Um, but I think just to go with the, on the title sequence again, it's not just the music; it's the imagery as well. The it, it's both angry and sad. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, the imagery is very sort of family photos. Very sort of like here, here's Stephen as a young boy. Yeah, you know, he's just a young lad, like any other young lad. He's you know got an upbringing and. Perhaps maybe that's part of the reason that he ended up in a situation where he got, you know, tarred with the wrong brush. Yeah. Because that's certainly what it seems like, um, you know, portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title as well, the title, let's not get away from the title, Making a Murderer. Yeah. You know, how, is that about how someone becomes a murderer? Like, what are the life consequences or the life events that lead up to someone becoming a murderer? Mm-hmm. Or is it, you know... Fabricating. See, I never thought about that until now. Yeah, right now. That's not this literally, literally well, just dawned on me when I watched it again, like a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Oh, that's what the title means. It means they're making this fabricating up. Yeah. the evidence that's required yeah. to make a murderer. Yeah, great to fit because yeah. they want to." Now I've got a question. Have you watched on from the first episode? No. Okay. In- deliberately, Very deliberately. Um, you know, I, I do try to do this yeah. when I can. And sometimes it's. Easier said than done. I mean, yeah. slightly easier in the fact that these are an hour long. Yeah. As OJ was an hour and a half and this was an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to find the time to prop. And, and again, to, to reiterate why, you have to pay attention. This is goes to the one of the commandments. I'm going to jump right in there with the commandments. Yeah. Would I pause for a pee? Absolutely, I would. In fairness, I would probably pause it, <laughs> go, come back and rewind it 30 seconds just to make sure I don't miss anything because I feel like every element of this documentary, everything that's gone into this... Yeah is vital for me to make my own fair judgment I think come like, the end of it. I think that's good. I think you need to concentrate and watch it as much as possible. This you is definitely you could miss some evidence. Face down. Yeah. Or even in the other room job. Yeah. You know, and watch it properly. Yeah. This is not a show you can put on in the background by any stretch. Yeah. The only downside of waiting until years later is obviously in real life things may have happened to affect the case. And also, you're not getting the almost live reaction if you watch it like in the weeks surrounding it of going onto like Reddit and seeing people's theories about mm. it and seeing people's reactions and etc. I mean that big that, that, uh, you, you're absolutely right I think that begs the question like, you know he comes out in 1990, uh, 1994 yeah and we get this in 2015 I don't know how long it took them to put together the whole thing I don't know how long they spent researching it and filming mm. it over a long that time, time. Uh, yeah I imagine quite a long time I don't imagine this was thrown together in a few months um, but it makes you wonder why it, 20 years went by before they released a documentary about his story. Well, they had to wait until he came out of prison that first time. Um, so you think he came out... Yeah, of but pr- I'm saying he came out in 1994. No, I don't think so, did he? Well, that's when the f- home footage at the start yeah. is him coming out in 1994. So why at that point had they not started to make a documentary? Or... Hmm. That, are these are all rhetorical questions, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it that in 1994 when he was released... Yeah they started to make a documentary about it or someone was interested enough from a sort of investigative journalistic approach yeah. to start making a, 
yeah, documentary on it, and then they stopped because something else happened. And it's yeah. only until now, in 2015, as it were, that they could mm. actually put it all together with an ending. Well, actually, he said, like, so he went in in 1985, and he was actually released in 2003... Um, so yeah, so eighteen years he spent mm. behind, behind behind bars. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, having not watched it, on, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I, I wonder why then they started the whole thing with the 1994 footage of him coming home, the press all around the house. Yeah, I think I know. If you watch on, it kind of okay. Well, no spoilers because yeah, I want you know, you'll I kind of know why. Fair. I mean, this unlike OJ is a story. Maybe in America. If, if you're listening from the states, apologies if you know this story quite well. I don't know how well it was. You know broadcast in the media when it happened yeah um but certainly here in the uk until this show was made making a murderer i, I can't say we probably many of us even had heard of Stephen Avery. i don't think anyone if, even in america knew about case. this i think this um, was the thing that brought it to public attention and made people so angry um and has affected the case in real life as well yeah genuinely actually i mean if you do listen to this and you're us based um and you can tweet us just, just a quick, just to let us simply know whether or not you got a lot of this broadcast in the '90s or the early 2000s. Yeah. Just for some context, uh, happily put a little sort of, you know, post note and in, in, in next week's episode, and we'll, we'll recap perhaps um, if anyone can let us know. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone in the UK will have known Stephen Avery. Yeah. Or the case. No. Before no. Making a Murderer came out mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, they again. I think it's it's quite um, honest of them to make a documentary where they leave in the bits that make you feel uncomfortable, make you uh, um and ah about whether or not you know he's um, you know mistaken identity truly, or whether he did have a bit of a bad streak in him and things like that. There's lots of you know evidence on both sides of the coin. He seemed like a, a nice nice enough guy who tried hard he didn't have the particularly greatest start in life maybe didn't have the greatest opportunities he wasn't the brightest kid didn't study in school it made the family seem like they were a little little bit sort of outcast from the rest of the society yeah but it also made the rest of the town seem like they didn't want them that rather than trying to get them to integrate no trying to encourage them to integrate yeah they kind of shut the door on them on the Avery family and that name got tarnished from day one so, so we need to discuss why he was in prison and so he, he was in prison for the first time because he was accused of raping a woman yeah and then many years later i think 18 years later they figured out actually the evidence that they had in the first place wasn't legit it exonerated him and he was released upon exoneration obviously you're going to think well i've just spent all that time in prison um, I need some compensation. Yep. So they tried... So they applied for compensation and uh, for the wrongful arrest. And that's kind of set the scene for the rest of the series and why possibly his potential compensation of 30 million... I think it's 30 million dollars mm. may be an incentive enough for people to try and... Prove him to be guilty. Yeah. Of that case, or of another case, which uh, comes up as well. There's a, but I, this, is, this is what surprises me somewhat, in, and it still surprises me today when you when you see people committing crimes, and you think, mate, nobody gets away with anything there. Even if you get away with it initially, eventually people find out. Hmm, like yeah. how much honest, you know, hands up, 
proper crime. And you know, I'm not trying to... Let's not get into the moral debate about what's crime, what's right, what's wrong. But serious crimes that are caused, very few people ever get properly away, like forever, get away with it. Maybe for murder. So much of it eventually comes to... You know, yeah. comes a cropper, or you end up at least on a, you know, on a watch list, as it were. Mm. I just don't see how, when they exonerated him after the first time, found undeniable evidence that it wasn't him, yeah. and they falsified the whole thing, mm-hmm. that they went back in to try and find him guilty of something else. I'm like, yeah, well, cut that's... your losses, guys. Yeah. Like, come on. Well, like again, I watched on. So again, I, I yeah. might be surmising things there that. All the answers are in episode two, three, yeah. or onwards. So I have to really bite my lip because obviously I know the lengths I'll go to um, to try and, and do that. And well, let's, to, to be, make it fair, let's talk about some of the lengths they go to in this okay. episode, in this pilot episode. Right, so right, right. one thing I want to bring up, and it's actually where I want to almost interject in our conversation for a moment, because yeah. um, one of the things, one of the bits of evidence that comes around first time around is a, is a drawing, is a, um, a sort of witness sketch mm-hmm. of who this person thought they'd seen uh, fleeing the scene um, when the crime was committed on the beach in the sort of edge of the forestry area yep. on the sort of on the water waterfront. Okay, so um, there is a sketch that's hand-drawn by the then-chief, Chief Cooch. Chief, uh, um, I can't remember how you pronounce his surname. Um, and it turns out that the sketch was hand-drawn from a f- previous mugshot of Stevens. Now, so Stevens got a previous record, yeah. all right? No denying that. He never denied it either. He always put his hands up when he did something wrong, which a little bit of me found admirable. I did have a bit of a sort of... I felt sorry mm-hmm. for him. I was like, he's an honest man. He done wrong, got caught. He went, yeah, yeah. it was me. Didn't try and get out of it, serve the time, mm-hmm. do the crime, serve the time type thing, yeah? yeah? Put his hands up to it. And then they... So, and then they kind of try and frame it. I don't understand why they tried to frame him for this one. I think, well, all right, that sounds like it could be... Do you know what? Let's let's make some evidence up. Like, that's not ever going to get found out. Draw a photo from a picture, show it to the witness and go, is this him? And they go, yeah. And he goes, well, that's that's Stephen Avery. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, of course it is, because you just drew that from a photo, you pillock. Yeah, yeah. Now... When I was watching this and I saw this particular scene and this particular bit of evidence, uh, immediately reminded me of a good friend who I went to university with who has got a PhD in psychology. Oh, okay. And his study that he did to get his PhD in psychology had something to do with hand gestures in the court of law and how oh. much you can sway people really? with the simplest of hand gestures. Wow. So I caught up with Dan and we had a chat about what he studied. I did a whole range of experiments and what we did in all of these is that we asked people to watch some CCTV footage of something we created ourselves and then we interviewed them on what it is they saw. But crucially, when we interviewed them, we would mislead them. We would introduce some new details through through our hand gestures um, that didn't actually happen in the video to see if we can make people say they saw things that didn't actually happen. Okay, so... They've watched some CCTV footage and then they're asked to kind of review what they saw to see if they can help as a as a witness. That's right, yeah. And you'd lead them into certain avenues of answers. The questioning would be mildly leading, I guess, in a way. But it would be the hand gesture itself that would 
be the strongest part of the suggestion. Yes. So the question itself was designed not to be leading at all. So we'd ask them very generic things like, could you tell me about the man's face? Did you get a good look at his face? Uh, which is, you know, a, a perfectly fine thing to ask. But while we were asking that question, what we would do is we'd stroke our chin to suggest he was where he had a beard. And we'd ask other questions okay. like, did you notice anything else he was wearing? And we'd grasp our wrist to suggest a watch or a finger to suggest a ring. And we found that when we performed these gestures, people typically picked up on them and remembered those things as being part of the video they saw. That's incredible to think that just gesturing at a wrist would automatically make someone go, yeah, I think I think get a watch on. Yeah. That, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it does happen. And what what kind of so what other things so you had you had a, a beard um, wrist jewelry was there anything else that you really tried to throw people with? Um, we tried to make them remember what the man actually did differently. So for instance, we'd say what did he do with the item, and we would gesture like a jacket pocket or a trouser pocket. Um, we could make people think he did something completely different, um, you know, or a slightly different action based on what we were doing with our gestures. And so what actually happened when you did this, the footage, what, what did you uh, have made up? What, what was the actor doing? The actor came into a room and stole something and put something in a pocket. It wasn't clear where and then left afterwards. And it was deliberately a bit ambiguous. So we could ask them questions and try to mislead them and make them think they saw things they didn't. So a man's gone in yeah. a room, put, picked something up, put it in a pocket... Yeah. And yeah, left. That's right. How far away from that did you convince at least one person? Like, how much detail did one person misremember? Well, in the first experiment, there were three different things that we tried to mislead. So, one was the facial expression, another was whether they were wearing any jewellery, another was where they put the um, jacket pocket. And, sorry, a fourth one was whether they were wearing any additional clothing, like a hat or some gloves. And, um, most people, I would say, fell for at least one, maybe two of them. Occasionally, some people fell for all three. Um, but you can make people think they saw something different um, um, based on what you do with your gestures. You can make them believe they saw something that didn't actually happen based on your hand gestures when you interview them. So when you broke it all down, you'd done the study, you collated all the information you had at the end, what was your, I guess, summary of the study? What did you conclude from the whole thing well i was actually surprised at how powerful these gestures are but the most important thing is that people don't realize it's happening because when you say something like a leading question um if you say did the man have a beard you're misleading people quite explicitly but if you say can you describe the man's face to me and you do um, a, a subtle beard gesture people don't tend to remember the little gesture but they still get the same message from it as if they did uh, as they would if you were saying it through speech so I think what struck me is just how powerful this effect was. And don't forget, these interviews aren't always video recorded. They're usually audio recorded, but unless they're video recorded, we have no log of all these gestures that are going on in interviews. That's crazy. That's, that's insane. Because yeah. like, like you say, the, the leading question, whether it's audio or video recorded, can be heard. Yeah. It's it's there. It's it, you know, whether you like it or not. It's like, did he have a beard? Yeah, you, you would never you're, be allowed. You're very much suggesting the man had a yeah. beard. So that's a bit unfair. But 
you know, can, it was it was any significant features on his face, stroke of the chin, on audio, you'd never know there was a lead exactly. of a of exactly. a beard. Yeah, so there's no trace at all wow. of people potentially being misled in interviews. This is just hand gestures. Yeah. Imagine if you add to that. Now, I, I, I don't know the full legal extent to this, but I assume you can't ask a leading question in a court of law. But I guess there are very, very clever, subtle ways of just wording it enough to kind of start tipping a question. Yeah, well, this research says that you don't even need to word a question ambiguously. Your question can be, um, you know, completely unambiguous, but it's the gesture. It's the gesture that makes people think that they saw something that they didn't. Absolutely gobsmacked. Yeah, that's crazy. To think that you, without... I mean, this, the beauty of it is this, that we're doing the podcast, mm-hmm. people can't see anything we're doing. Yeah. And I could be jesting to you the whole time while we're doing this. Yeah. He's always sticking his fingers up at <laughs> me, guys. Like, I just, just, just... <laughs> I give it away a lot when I laugh. Um, but that's the point. You know, yeah. Hand gestures are something we all do um, in conversation because mm-hmm. we like to animate uh, what we're saying. We like to try and... I'm doing it almost deliberately now, but... Yeah. And you wouldn't even notice someone yeah. straying it. And I say the hand sketch that he uh, that the witness has shown, mm-hmm. had that never been discovered, yeah. we'd never have known she was led into it because of a hand-drawn sketch from a photo. Yeah. And I, I like to think that even that one piece of evidence could have changed the entire thing. And we might never have had the documentary Making mm. a Murderer yeah. had it never come... To fruition. And these, it's and, incredible. And these interviewers are obviously trained in, in multiple ways to in, to interrogate um, people. And obviously, they know all about hand gestures, neurolinguistic programming, where you can basically say something and it'll make the other person react in a certain way. Um, and you even see it in things like because uh, where, where I know about it is from like magic and like I used to want to be a magician. So you like magicians will um, literally like point in one direction or do something with their hand so you're automatically looking in that direction it's a distraction, or over it? here you're doing the magic and um, it's very very interesting yeah, yeah it, it, it's absolute... don't trust that mate by the way do not trust him yeah <laughs> he's only a friend of mine so he can study me from a distance <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's remarkable that, you know, that it immediately came to mind when, when I was watching this because I was thinking of all the evidence that was sort of being almost it was fabricated and, yeah. and that kind of then that that's why I may say to you about making a murderer. Yeah. They're quite literally making one out of Stephen Avery yeah. using whatever tricks of the trade they have so at it, their disposal. So it sounds like you've made up your mind whether he's guilty or not, Stephen Avery. From episode one, yeah. I'm already massively on his side. And okay. one of the things we, we talk about, the commandments that yeah. we'll come to briefly in a second, um, is do you feel emotionally connected to one of the one or more of the characters? Yeah. And, all right, character's wrong word in this instance, but... Yeah, I absolutely... I mean, I can't help but feel absolute despair for Stephen Avery. I just think to myself, the poor bugger... Yeah. All right, he's done some wrong in the past, little petty crimes, and he's he's done the time for them, Mm -hmm. Okay, He admits that. He's not the brightest guy in the world. And again, he knows that and admits that. So he understands that concept of it. But he genuinely did nothing wrong, Mm -hmm. at this point at least, as far as I'm concerned, in the documentary... And they're doing everything they can, they being the authority, yeah. the people who should be just trying to get justice and the right re- right result, are just trying to uh, just ruin his life. Well, if this angers you, mate, wait a couple of episodes and you, you'll throw your TV out the window. <laughs> it, it, it gets, again, I'm not, I should be, we should only talk about the first episode, but 
it's not the first episode isn't representative of how angry you're going to get. Okay, fine. <laughs> it well, makes I, you slightly I mean, angry, I, but I'll be honest with you. When I got to the end of episode one, yeah. um, you know, it, towards the end of it, obviously you get the you get all the sort of the DNA evidence that you know uh, originally couldn't exonerate him. Then they've you know to retested it all years later with the new technology, and yeah. and it turns out he does. And then it goes for, to sue them for defamation and, and time spent in prison. Um, which is obviously when you realise that they're not going to give up without a fight. Yeah. Um, and it kind of ends there. You already know that it's going to go on to the next episode and it's going to escalate from there. You, you know, it's not until you get to the very end of the episode that you realise everything you've just watched is only going to make... is only the start mm-hmm. of an incredibly emotional... Roller, incredible emotional rollercoaster. Simple as that. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of the best. And um, the reason why I blitzed it in, in, in one short space of time is because I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe... I knew the US justice system was messed up. I, I had no idea it was this messed up. And there was a season two, which is also very, very good and very, very messed up as well. Um, and series two follows the reaction from people based on the first series as well. Right, okay. So it's, it's really quite, quite messed up, but it's also it's incredible, like and crazy. Yeah. Um, I, 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 love, I love this series. I genuinely I really do. I mean, this yeah. has been one of my favourite weeks because I, yeah. I would probably not have sat and watched both shows in quite close sort of proximity to each other because they're both quite intense. They're both, yeah. they've got many parts to them as well. Um, but I'm so pleased that I've gone away to watch them both now. And they're both shows that I will jump into straight away and say, You've got pl- I'm going to watch episode two. Good. You've got plenty to watch uh, during Country Fire when you're up in yeah, there. Yeah, when I'm in my own, my own hotel room, I've yeah. got loads to watch as far as that's concerned. I've got... There's the best part of six hours of OJ to watch <laughs> yeah. and uh, and two seasons of Making a Murderer at the absolute minimum. Um, do you want to do some commandments? Do you want to score let's do some commandments, yeah, fans? let's do it. All right, episode two. Do you want to watch episode two? 100%. Absolutely. Both of them. Yes um, and yes. Yeah. And if I can say yes again, yes. Yeah. Um, number two is, do does it have a memorable theme tune? Memorable, maybe I think not. your word appropriate is, is correct. Appropriate. Yeah. So They're I would like similar. to dock it, Mark. Yeah. For that, for that, but I would like to at least sort of say they're definitely suited for the shows. Definitely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, does it introduce you to a new character or journey? Documentary is quite hard, but yeah, definitely. I, I didn't really know OJ's well, the person, but now I feel like I do. So it kind of introduced me to OJ's life before. Yeah, and, and both of them go back far enough to give you proper backstory, so you yeah. can make judgment based on proper character yeah. profile, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you pause for a pee? Yeah, you have to. You've got to. Yeah. I mean, you can quite easily miss one of the most important parts of the show. Yeah. And it's you your don't. own fault. Yeah. And your bladder's fault. Is. Do you feel emotionally connected with one or more of the characters? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really do. I really, really do. For, um, for both of them. I mean, I, I even felt for OJ, even knowing what I know. Yeah. I even felt for him because I'm just like, oh, c- come on. Um, and I was expecting that documentary to give me new information that would make me think he's innocent. We'll see if that happens. Okay. Watch them. Okay. Uh, would you recommend them? Oh man, these these two for sure, right up there. I would recommend them. Yeah. If you like documentaries of any sort, definitely yeah. both of them are should be on your list. Yeah, they probably. Should, I mean, imagine they probably already are. Um, is there a mic drop? Not for the OJ one because no. I feel like we like we kind of know what that story already. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a mic drop in this episode, but there is coming up shortly. Um, I mean, there's some surprising things in both thing, in both episodes. Hard to say as a mic drop when you when you know it to sort of kind of know the outcome. Yeah, it's it sort of anyway. Um, it's hard one to judge. Does it defy expectations? 
Both of them yeah. really, really do, yeah. Yeah. Both, considering I didn't, I didn't know anything about Stephen Avery at all, yeah. I'm already engrossed in his story yeah. and need to know how it He's ends. your guy now, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's my guy. Uh, and OJ as well. I learned so much more than I would have imagined learning about society and yeah. America and sport at the time, let alone just his story. Yeah. Um, have they aged well? Yeah, I mean, well, they're quite quite new, but I think they're, they're already classics. I mm. think they're classics. I mean, the OJ one has won multiple like awards, big awards, and I think uh, Making a Merge actually won awards for TV documentaries as well. They're both real, like, current classics. Yeah, I mean, it's the hype reel was the next one. Yeah, yeah both. Making a oh Murder, I heard lots of buzz about it when it came out, and I now know why. Yeah. Um, OJ Made in America, haven't heard a lot of hype before, but I imagine it probably was hyped quite a bit. Yeah. And... Yeah, well deserved. Scores are going to be interesting, Rob. They're both incredible shows. Um, I wrote numbers down originally. I did okay. my gut instinct with it. Um, I am going to slightly improve one of them. Wow, okay. Um, but your show first, so okay. you score first. OJ, Made in America, part one. Um, so we already have a documentary up at the top, don't, don't, don't we? Do. I gave that 9.5. Uh, this is almost there. This is almost there. Um... I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. What are you giving, OJ? It's a nine. Easy. Yeah. All day, every day. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm inclined to say 9.5, to be absolutely honest with you. I was going to, but then I thought, is it as good as an, and as important as... Uh, as I, I know I'm biased because it's my sport. It's yeah. the thing I love. Mm. But if you'll allow me, I'm going to go 9.5. Go for it, mate, yeah. I'm going to go on that point because I, I genuinely learned so much more about yeah. the sport. Yeah, yeah, me the too. Era and the country of the US yeah. at that time. Yeah. Than I ever expected to take from it. So that's 18.5. Wow. That's up there, mate. Yeah. That's definitely. You're top. almost convincing me to do 9.5. I think I have to be. I think I can leave it at 9. You're going to leave it at 9? Yeah, yeah. You sure? Yeah. 18.5? 18.5, which is almost as high as you can get. Oh, it's going to be second. It's going to be joint second. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, absolutely it is. Okay, but Making a Murderer. Okay. 18 Years Lost, name of the first episode, mm-hmm. hour long, on Netflix. I wrote nine down. Good score. Yeah, I'm, sti- I'm, 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 gonna, I'm okay. sticking with nine. I like it that much. It's that good. Um, I'm going to give it an 8.5. Um I think because I know there's better episodes, there has oh, to be. There has to be some middle room. Um, I, I'm have to give it eight point five. All right. Um, again, it, it might be because I know what's coming and I know there are better episodes, so that kind of, that has unfortunately influenced me a little bit. Did you? Um, but eight point five is still really damn high for me. So. It really is. It really is. <laughs> All right, there they are. They're both going to go on the league table, uh, which I will work out and put in there for you shortly. Yeah. Um, but we need to pick some shows for next week, mate. Ooh, so what yeah. are you thinking? Well, I'm going to go with that show I mentioned earlier. I'm going to go for Alf. Episode oh, one of Alf. On there. Yeah. What is Alf about? Alf is about an alien that comes down, that crashes into this family's house. They decide to adopt him. Is this a little green guy with a no, floaty green guy? He's a, he's, a, he's a brown guy with a big nose, uh, fur, and uh, he eats pet cats. So they have to keep what? the cats away from him. Um, it's Alf. Alien life form, it stands for. Uh, okay. Just... <laughs> One big weirdo you are, aren't you? Yeah, I know, but like, look, look, there he is, Rob. Like, I'm just Alf. showing you a picture. There oh, I know Alf. Yeah, of course you know Alf, mate. I know Alf. He visits you every night. He reads your stories. Oh. 
So what can you what can you do? So well, I know what I've immediately thought of, but I don't know if it's a. Can I do it against this? What is it? Rainbow. We've done rainbow, haven't we? Have we done rainbow? We've done rainbow. We've done rainbow. Have rain- we done rainbow? Yeah, because I remember weird bungle. We've done ra- we've done rainbow against Sesame Street. Did we? Yeah, we did. It was Rainbow versus Sesame no, we Street. We did a Muppet show against Sesame no, Street. No, we, we did Rainbow against Sesame Street. This is the sort of production stuff you should never hear on a podcast. But we <laughs> no, genuinely, but genuinely sometimes sit here and have no yeah. idea where to go next with it. Um, this is so people know that we're Sesame not just... Sesame against Rainbow, you yeah. are right. I do apologise. This is so people know that we're not just like making it up as we go along. Like, Well, we are making it up as well, we go along. Well, you know, yeah. we haven't like, planned oh, it. Oh, blimey, okay. Um, so, what the hell do I do against that then? Anything with like an alien in it, or like um, like a sitcom with a family and something weirds introduced to it, or um, oh, okay, what? What are you doing? Smiling. Probably, probably the greatest theme, one of the greatest theme tunes, which we should do Here in the go. next theme tune special. Okay, Scooby Doo. Ah, which one though? There's multiple Scooby Doo cartoons. Oh, well, obviously the original animation. Okay, the very first one. I think it's Hanna Barbera from the sixties. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the yeah. first. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. That sounds good. Um, this is wow. a weird episode next week, isn't it? So I think that's called Scooby Doo. Where are you? Yeah. Uh, the very Scooby Doo. Where are you? Scooby Doo. See, you're already singing it. You're already singing it. Greatest thing you know all time. Alf versus Scooby Doo. Where are you? They are our suggestions for next week. If you want to get us on Twitter, you can do so. Jed, where are you? On Twitter, you can find me at Jed Shepherd. J e d s h e p h e r d. And I'm at the Jellyman. That's T-H-E-E Jellyman. Yeah. So tweet us. Um, thoughts on the uh, shows we've done today. OJ at Making a Murderer. And if you want to go ahead and watch Alf and Scooby Doo and let us know your thoughts before we record in a week's time. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter. And that just leaves me to say... See you later, alligator. In a while, country file. You've been waiting to say that all day. No, I just thought of it. Really? Just thought of it. Go, go, leave.